The revolution is here. A movement of people free to live, work, and choose. We won't tell you what to think. We just demand that you think for yourself. This is Kibbe on Liberty. Magno, how's it going? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me, Matt. It's, yes, it's uh, strange uh, talking to somebody that you've seen speaking so many times. So it's great being here. And uh, we've met up in Mexico City. Yeah. And we've been hanging out for three or four days talking about liberty and strategies throughout Latin America. And, and right now we're at the Atlas Liberty Forum in Mexico City. Our good friends at Atlas and Brad Lips has been on the show and, yeah. and probably other guys too. Um, so you won something. I did. Yes. I did win. I didn't expect it. And yeah. I, I'm even embarrassed, embarrassed to claim that I had anything to do with that. Because when my team looked, I said, well, you know, there's this prize. We should submit a project. I said, ah, we don't have a case there. I don't think it's interesting enough. Well, let's not do it. They're like, no, let me do it. It's my job. You know, Deborah, a member of my team, you know, it's my job to submit stuff. Let me do it. So do it then. And then we were selected among the three finalists, and I was very happy already. We were celebrated because we could come to Mexico City uh, and get a flight paid for. And yeah. we were happy already with yeah. that. And then we ended up winning, which is great. I mean, I'm very proud of my team, very proud of the work we did. You, you have your girl right and here. And I'm very proud of my trophy, a beautiful trophy. And this is, I'm going to script the title, this is the Templeton Freedom Prize, is that right? It is the Latin American Freedom Prize, yeah. which is like the semi-final for the final in New York in the Freedom Dinner, the World Freedom Dinner. This one is just Latin American. This is like the and and finally Brazil has taken the prize. Finally, finally, we have won something. You know, I'm, I yesterday when they were giving me the trof the trophy. I told somebody on stage, you know, I'm a Brazilian libertarian. I'm not used to winning. Yeah. So this is a new situation for me. Please. That's like me. that's like two levels of losing, right? Yeah. Libertarian and In and Brazil. Brazil, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And Latin American libertarians don't win often. Uh, Brazilian libertarian, I guess, even less often yeah. because we have less uh, success stories than other people in other And countries. I, I want to get into that because I've been, um, you, you say that, but in my mind as an american i've i've heard fantastic stories over the last 10 15 years about the growth of of the liberty movement in brazil and i remember these large students for liberty rallies mm -hmm. that, that i was told about in the mises institute and i wanted to to primarily talk to you about that the state of the liberty movement in brazil your organization uh, maybe even the project you won the prize right. for um, but let's start with uh, you. What's what's your deal, and why why should people watching this uh, want to listen to you? Well, um, I'm a normal person. I didn't have any political plans or anything except I did like politics. But you know, my early twenties, I would identify as a leftist just because you know, in the university, the leftists were not homophobes, and they didn't like the. Uh, military dictatorship. Brazil was a military dictatorship between 64 and 85. And the whole thing, you know, even the censorship, I think more than the violence of dictatorship, the speech violation violence, yeah. the, the censorship on music. I remember being a child and getting records, my grandfather, and there would be some, um, some warnings there that some songs 
were forbidden to be uh, executed in public radio, things like that. And I would ask people, why is that? Well, you know, censorship from the dictatorship times. That was oh, this is fascinating because this is a this is a typical thing that that um, we're digging into at Free the People. The way that authoritarians and dictators go after musicians and right. artists and. And it, it's always the same story because they're afraid of, of the freedom in that on that album. Yeah, of course. And, you know, some of those songs were politically neutral. You know, yeah. sometimes they had a swear word. Yeah. But w what is up with that? You know, you cannot have a swear word. In a, you know, how does that threat your crazy dictatorship? But, yeah. You know, it, it was just like a matter of the the order and that kind of bothered me when i was a teenager as, as i think bothers every teenager uh, and then when i grew up i found out the leftists were also for the yeah. strange order yeah and, that, and i didn't fit in there either and that's how i stumbled upon libertarianism and those ideas and free market i totally could see that i didn't like socialism i didn't think the socialist experiences and since i liked politics i was aware of the socialist experiments uh, around the world particularly in uh, in europe i didn't like that but i just thought they were a nicer crowd to hang out with but then i found out okay well there's this other group of people yeah uh, they are more reasonable in economic terms they are have a more i don't know i think i thought in terms of modern thinking mm -hmm. and they're also kind of accepting of other lifestyles and you know, I found myself in there. And I was totally self-deprecating about the, the libertarian movement in Brazil and the liberal movement in Brazil, because it's true, we have had an incredible growth in the past 15 years. Uh, we are growing not only in numbers, but also in importance. We have a lot of good people in good, important positions. And I think we're making slowly but surely a good progress. In talk, the country. talk talk about Livrate, uh, the the origins and and your organization. Yeah. Um, what what why was it created and what does it do? There was always an issue. Politics was always an issue for us in Brazil. You know, free market people. There is uh, that old Mencken, I guess, uh, quote that elections are an auction of stolen goods, or something yeah, like yeah. that, isn't it? And we. I think we traditionally would look at politics from that point of view. It's like, well, you know, tax, taxation is theft. So it's why, dirty. It's, it's dirty. Yeah. Why would I? Why would we uh, put our hands into it? And that was frustrating for me because I liked politics. I yeah. wanted to do something about that. I was studying political science, um, and then slowly there were some people who wanted to do something on that regard. Not necessarily politics itself but you know public policy something more applicable um, and there was a, a conversation okay so what do we do do we start a new party or do we just join collectively an old party Brazil has today uh, 34 registered parties which in itself to me is not a problem for me anyone should be able to create a political party and go try their luck but uh, what makes it complex is that we have about 20 in parliament which makes everything very complicated yeah i i have to say and and i'm sure you know all the downsides of having 30 plus mm. parties but i have to say the idea that in america that you would force people in one of two boxes is absurd because mm -hmm. um you know there's there's many different perspectives and and 
places where people come from. And, and I think that the growth of independence in the U.S. is some indication that people are like, oh, hard left, hard right, I don't, I don't fit in there. So in some ways, it'd be nice to have a niche party that maybe doesn't accomplish anything, but at least that's a home. Exactly. And, and, and that was a, a conversation that a lot of us had at a time. And some people started trying to begin something new, start something new. Um, and some other people thought maybe it would be a good idea to join a new party. And Liveries was kind of it at that time. Uh, some people got contacted by the family that uh, owned a political party, and that's how it is, being honest. Really? Political yeah. parties in Brazil are owned yeah. because they are, you know, political notaries. Yeah. You go there and you're certified, then you can run because it is forbidden to be an independent candidate in Brazil. So you depend on that stamp, and that's what they do. They sell stamps, since obviously there are not 34 possible uh, ideologies for politicians to... So like a syntax or indulgences or something Exactly, like exactly. And I don't want to dig into what deals are made for <laughs> that, uh, for, that allow, for, for that permission for you to, to run. But, you know, a lot of bad things go in there. And they called a few friends of mine and said, hey, we want to renew this party based on ideas. We like what you guys produce. Um, it, were, it was a group of liberal guys who were producing a public policy anal anal analysis. Mm -hmm. um, and they invited other friends, you know, and they tried to start this renewal of this party. Yeah. And that went on for two years. And uh, with, in which the party felt up, felt uh, uh, the 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 promises, and we got what they said they would do. They would help us to switch uh, the key, as they say, to turn the key to to this renewal movement mm -hmm. in a few states. And I think. And at, what year is this? Uh, this is 2016, 2017. Okay. Yeah. And by the end of 2017. Livres was controlling 13 out of 27 states. So yeah. the party in 13 out of 27 states. And then comes uh, January 2018. 2018 is a, a general election year in Brazil. And we were starting to get ready for the election. We had a couple of people who were ready to run. And we were bringing in uh, members of parliament who wanted to switch to our party because they liked our ideas. Uh, they had seen us in social, social media, had seen us in the traditional media because the party suddenly got a lot of attention because who are these guys? They are not afraid of saying we're liberals. We're pro-free market, privatization, but we're also want to legalize marijuana. So it was like, okay, who are these guys? And we were bringing in new people. But then we heard that the president of the party, the owner, had been in conversations with Jair Bolsonaro the guy who now is the president of Brazil, but at the time he was already leading the polls. And we knew him. He had been a congressman for 30 plus years. We knew he was not one of us, neither on economic terms, not on his social views. And we decided- Is it, is it fair to say he's a right-wing populist? He's a right-wing populist. Uh, yeah, yeah. In, a, in, a, in a country where, uh, well, institutions are weaker than in the United States and political parties exert a, a 
exact less pressure and give less structure yeah. or put less boundaries on what people can or not do yeah. because it's a free for all you know there, there are no structures there are no political parties so i used to read people comparing bolsonaro to 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 trump but just imagine trump in a country that has weaker institutions and without the republican party yeah. Yeah. that we may have uh, criticisms but the Republican Party has a long history, mm -hmm. governors, Congress people, you know, it is an establishment party. Then that gives you some... A, a platform and, um, I mean, not a, not a completely ironclad ideology, but some, yeah. some sort of history there. And, and of course, institutions that, that supposedly impose limits on politicians. Yeah. Although I'd be a little skeptical it, in the not, last couple of years. Yeah, but it does, it does matter a little bit. You, you yeah. can argue, okay... Today, the Republican Party is Trump's party, but still, there, there is some uh, accumulation of knowledge there, of experience. And he, he's unhinged, so he can just do whatever, you know. He can say that his election was a fraud. So, but you won, still. It was, it was, so, and we knew him. We knew what he stood for, that he was against privatizing companies. Bolsonaro. Bolsonaro. Yeah, yeah. Um, that he was not a free market guy and he was not a guy who saw society in a tolerant a modern way that we believe we see um and we decided to leave the party mm -hmm. and we said if he joins we're gonna leave and he did join and we did leave for you know he had imposed a very high uh, political cost to our friends who were about to run sure um they had to switch parties find a new party but there was no way we could live with with Bolsonaro. This is this is kind of interesting and and different, but perhaps similar to some of my personal history because I was a Tea Party organizer, and the Tea Party, for all of its failures, elected Liberty Republicans like Rand Paul mm -hmm. and Mike Lee and Justin Amash and Thomas Massey, and and a handful of others, and and we thought in 2020 that that was, no, 2016, that that was, as Time Magazine said, the, liber the libertarian moment. Uh -huh. and, and I was doing a Rand Paul super PAC, and out of nowhere, Trump shows up, and no one really takes him seriously until everybody had to take him seriously. <laughs> until he started winning. So it, it, it completely hijacked what I thought was a serious effort to put liberty back into the American conversation mm -hmm. by getting... One, one party at least to respect it and um, poof it's just gone yeah. just yeah. gone and it's frustrating yeah. and you know if you are just you know a party organizer if you are just ideologue it is frustrating but imagine if you're a guy preparing to run for congress you're a young guy young yeah. libertarian guy yeah you're preparing yourself to run for your first election and then you have to leave the party and find a new home I don't know, nine months before the election. Yeah. And not only that, the leader of the polls is coming to your party. So you have a choice of giving up on a few of your principles and take massive advantage of the fact that these guys come to your party. You yeah. just take a photo with them and get elected. That's yeah. what was yeah. happening. Yeah. And they left. And we didn't really know what to do with this group of people who were fairly organized and coherent in our ideology, in our worldview, and start anew. We didn't even know what to do. What are we going to be? Now there's a whole 
um, sector in the Brazilian third uh, in the Brazilian nonprofit sector of political movements, and that's what we ended up being. Yeah. Well, we're independent. We work with a lot of parties. So I said there are 34 parties in Brazil. I guess last time we checked among our members, we had uh, people in 12, 13 different parties. And, you know, our point is we promote these ideas in politics, in public yeah. policy. And it doesn't matter what party you belong to or yeah. how you identify yourself. As long as you're willing to, you know, put these ideas forward, we want to work with you. So it's a you're you went from explicit political party to a movement perhaps yeah. based on ideas and values and and certain policies that you're promoting. Um, it strikes me that you know my I'm sort of burned out on politics in the U.S. but but I also watch someone like like Ron Paul use presidential politics as a cultural soapbox mm-hmm. to talk about ideas and and even drain, name drop some some economists yeah. that I love. <laughs> And so you have suddenly you have um, millions of young people googling who is Ludwig von Mises. So I have to be careful about not not doing politics because it is something that people pay attention to, and and it obviously has consequences. But I we we think about getting upstream of politics so that by the time you get to choosing candidates, you you have a community of people and a set of values that are pushing them to be better than they might otherwise be. Yeah, and. You know, regardless of what we think of politics, that's how, you know, a lot of decisions are made. Unfortunately, I would much rather have more individuals make their own choices and have more power devolved people. But that's the state of of our societies today. And, you know, in Brazil in particular, the state is much bigger, much more present than in the United States. And we have to be part of it. If we are not, somebody else will. And I'm glad to say that a lot of us are putting their names forward. A lot of us are going to this crazy adventure. Think of it. Suddenly, a lot of people are swearing at you on your Instagram account. Yeah, yeah. You know, one day you're just a guy taking pictures of your holidays and you, you're your girlfriend. And the next day, people are shouting at you in restaurants. So I have deep respect for people who go into into politics. And I, I think they're making us proud. Uh, yeah. It's still a very new thing. Um, there's still only a few of us, but they are doing a good job, and I'm very optimistic for this year's elections. These years we have uh, national elections in Brazil, not only for president, but also for Congress, and I'm very confident that we'll have a good result, um, and we will elect even more people like us to be in Congress next year. So Bolsonaro won in 2018, and when is he up for election again? This November. Okay, so So this is... um, and. So talk a little bit about his um, failures and successes and what's going to happen. Like, I don't know. I don't even know who he's running against. Mm-hmm. Um, as a, as a, to, to start my explanation about Bolsonaro's time, I must say I'm very critical of him and his government. Um, I don't think he's a good representative for a country as a, you know, the chief of uh, armed forces and our government and our state. Um, as the head of our country. Um, and as any politician, he has his failures and his successes. I think he, his disregard for democracy and not in a libertarian way of, you know, democracy is not the best system, but his appreciation of dictatorship mm-hmm. that he never really had to hide. 
um, it's something that discusses. Do, does he govern as an authoritarian? He would if he could. Yeah. Um, he would if he could. Um, what, what limits that? I don't understand the political dynamics. Well, do you, have a, do you have a constitution that limits him? Well, certainly. And power are divided in a way that the checks and balances have worked okay mm-hmm. um, in, a, in a way that the, the Supreme Court has even overstepped its original uh, purposes. I would argue that they've been legislating they're being far more politically active than I think they should be yeah. as a response to the threat that they perceive in Bolsonaro. There is a lot of um, a speech game. There so they a, become activists too. Exactly. Yeah. Since you have a president that speaks too much and acts in, in ways that you don't think is appropriate, and I certainly don't think is appropriate most of his um, actions, uh, you get a Supreme Court that too active in mm-hmm. political discourse yeah. and in political actions. Um, and that generates a whole institutional crisis in the country because you see two problems and you know the two wrongs don't make right. Yeah. And yeah. You, it, it's, it's, it's tiring to see these over and over again. You see the Supreme Court say, why are you guys having an opinion on that? Mm-hmm. And you see the president say, why are you saying that? Uh, and and I mean he has to talk to Congress, um, given the how political power is spread in Congress with twenty parties. It's not easy to control uh, politicians over there. So you, anything requires a lot of negotiation. Um, is, is his opposition from the hard left, or or how much of it is is your kind of guys? Is there a, almost is none it, of it? So there's very little classical liberal. Yeah, yeah, there are okay. like fifteen. So it's most. it's left hard left versus yeah. Um, would you would you call it socialist? Yeah, I would call it a ninety seventies left. Yeah, um, it's not that they are Hugo Chavez, although a few of them are not shy about their sympathies for Hugo Chavez. But they're just old, economically conservative left. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, they yeah. are stuck in in the past. They are dreaming of Paris in 1968. Yeah. You know, they're dreaming of that. Time. A lot of intervention, a lot of social engineering. Yeah, let's make things right by writing laws and stopping rich but, people. But not like Marxist ideologues. Uh, not really. I don't think they are... Hopefully. sophisticated yeah. enough yeah. for that it, yeah. it's not even like well you know they're much better than this i just don't think they are sophisticated enough they yeah. are short-sighted yeah. they just want to win the next election and maybe strike a deal here uh, the left has been in power in brazil between 2003 2016 and you know they're involved in corruption with yeah. big companies too it was not like well they want to do a revolution and they want to have some advantages here yeah. get some money uh, get elected a few places with the help of billionaires. They had no problems with billionaires when they were in power. Now, of course, they have sure, problems with sure. billionaires. But they, this kind of left, you know, it's not very ideological. Maybe the, on Twitter is very ideological, but they are, they don't act politically in a very, very ideological way. They're just way. taking care of themselves. Yeah, yeah, mostly in their parties and their friends, in yeah. business or in politics. So what what happens? Because um, the the thing from the outside, and this has happened in other countries in Latin America, where um, the 
the hard left exploits that kind of chaos and abuse of power, and suddenly you're like, this guy's a Marxist. Yeah. What's uh, what's going to happen in Brazil? Is there um, what what is the alternative to Bolsonaro? It's horribly sad that the alternatives to Bolsonaro is former President Lula, who's still very popular in the country, probably more popular now than he was before, um, who just I don't know spent two years in prison for corruption charges. Um, he was not found innocent nor guilty. He's he's uh, his trial was just voided. Yeah. Um, so he's free to run again. And he's leading the polls. He's the most credible uh, threat to Bolsonaro. Bolsonaro is actually today, and we're typing this in early June, yeah. he is behind the polls. Uh, of course, the state has a lot of power, so Bolsonaro has a lot of money to distribute, yeah. a lot of favors to distribute too. But so does Lula. Yeah. He governed for eight years, so people know him. And they know they can trust him uh, to be a good... Uh, distributor of favors now he's not a 1970s leftist he's more he's um he's far more complex than that yeah he's intelligent enough to understand modern politics he's um, a charming man so he when he goes abroad he's dining with the presidents of president of france for the great uh, uh, head of states uh, in, in in europe He's cheered in universities, but he was not in prison for nothing. He was uh, the president when there was a few massive corruption schemes going on in Brazil. He always said he never knew anything. Well, if there is a massive corruption scheme in your government and you don't know anything, you're either stupid yeah. or you're corrupt. Yeah. Uh, just one of them. There is not a third alternative. Um, and you suggested he's not stupid. I don't think he's stupid. Yeah. Uh, he, he's a very intelligent man, even intelligent enough to uh, understand at some point that he needs to make a few concessions. Yeah. So in his first government, the country needed to balance the budget or at least uh, reduce the budget deficit. And he made some deep cuts. He brought in some good economists to put the country in shape. And once the economy was in shape, he just went crazy, spending like crazy, uh, elected his successor, who was uh, Dilma Rousseff. He was just uh, the greatest failure I've ever seen in Brazilian politics. Um, she ended up being impeached. And that's the, in, in the end, the rejection to Lula and his party was so massive that a lot of intelligent people went on and voted for Bolsonaro, a guy who cheered our dictators yeah. who had in his office in Congress the photos of our dictators. That, so that's, to me, that's humiliating. Yeah, like, yeah. We, are, we as a country are electing this person in 2018. We're electing these guys who's cheering the military dictators from the 70s. You know, the generals with big uh, sunglasses, that old stupid stuff. And we elected him. Uh, that's embarrassing. But that was the state of the country. And Unfortunately, this will probably be the state of the country this year between the crazy, corrupt left and the crazy, probably also corrupt populist right. I mean, yeah. populists on the left, populists on the right. So let, let's take a step back because we were talking about this this afternoon um, and I, I didn't know the context of, of 
the the optimism leading up to this sudden switcheroo in mm-hmm. 20, 2018. Um, but but talk about talk about some of the different groups and and how the the liberty movement, the classical liberals, the libertarians, um, and by, by the way, libre means basically free, free people, right? Yeah, yeah. Freeze. the frees. Yeah, I would say that. the free. Um, but you guys all work together. Yeah, and I, of course, I speak better of my generation and people who have been involved in the last fifteen years, but. You know, going back to the 90s, there was a small network of institutions, I would say in six, seven different cities, mostly major cities. But that kind of went, and they were good people. Um, they were translating like themselves, human action. Yeah. Uh, they would get the book and translate and publish it. Um, but those institutes um, went on decline in the late 90s, mid late 90s. Um, my generation, I guess, we started getting active in the mid uh, 2000, so 2006, uh, 2007, and it, it was like my my story is uh, very simple. A friend of mine went to Fee uh, for a summer school with Fee, went back the foundation for economic the foundation education. for economic education, went back home with a few books, and we thought it was nice. Yeah, and then there was. Um, an essay competition and they would send uh, people to uh, be interns at Cato uh, and my friend was like second place and he went to intern at Cato and came mm. back home with a lot of books again It's was like wow man I think I like it I think that's what we are and we started talking like let's do something about it and we heard that Cato was starting a project in foreign languages Cato had already El Cato mm-hmm. uh, the Spanish speaking project it was very successful and they wanted to start projects in other languages and this friend of mine started writing a business no he wrote to me and asked me do you know how to write a business proposal of course not I, I'm a social sciences student I have no idea uh, let's google it so we went googling and we learned how to write a business proposal we wrote a business proposal and said to Tom Palmer and Tom Palmer said, I think it's good. We're going to help you start that. And in the beginning, we would just uh, translate articles. We would write articles. We would try everything, podcasts, videos. There yeah. was no division of labor. Um, and then we started with that website called Orden Livre, Free Order. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, other people were starting too. And I think the most important thing at that time was that we were such a small movement that we all knew each other. So as time went by, there was some division of labor among these institutions. So SFL starts in Brazil. In one of our um, summer schools, we started having summer schools in Brazil, and one of the projects that came out was, okay, let's just bring the idea of Students for Liberty from the United States to Brazil, and that's how they started. So we all know each other. So once the movement grows, and now we have thousands and thousands of people involved with it. It's much easy, easier to, to coordinate our activities because the leadership of these organizations have known each other for a while. Um, and we are all friends. We have our disagreements about everything. Obviously, we're libertarians. We sure. love it. Um, but they are all friendly disagreements yeah. like sports disagreements we disagree but then you know after the match is over we go and have a beer and we we understand that we we are in it together and there was always this friendly underlying in our discussions and 
we know we are small and we know we need to help each other. It doesn't work like this 100% of the time, mm-hmm. but I would say 95% of the time, yeah. we are able to work together. And just here in this forum, we had people from, I don't know, 10 different organizations. We all sat at the same table, talked, and we're all friends with each other. They, they, all, think, they all seem to be happy when you won the award. Oh, yeah. And when, when they called me uh, to stage, I heard somebody uh, on, the, on another table saying, well, he brought his supporters. I didn't bring my supporters, just people from, yeah. from Brazilian movement. And there is this camaraderie among us. Um, and I am, I am sure that among us, you know, among those who today are in leadership positions within the movement, this is something that we like to cultivate. Yeah. And we tell the younger people who are writing, you know, take it easy on people on Instagram, on Twitter, go have a beer with them. These are nice people. Yeah. We just disagree sometimes, but we're all in it together. This, I hope uh, American libertarians watching this listen to this dynamic. And, <laughs> and I, I wonder if it comes from from um, small p politics, because the, you know, the, the, the libertarian joke I love to tell is that there's only one perfect libertarian, and that happens to be me. Um, and and everybody else is going to deviate from that perfection well, in some way. The the standard libertarianism. Yeah, but is, if but if you're organizing grassroots and you're trying to reach people outside of our bubble, and you know, God forbid, if you're trying to organize a political coalition, mm-hmm. by definition, you're going to disagree on all sorts of things. And and the challenge is to find a couple really important things that everybody is fully committed to. Uh, you know, core values that mm-hmm. that define. Um, what what makes us different from the the people that we're that we're fighting against? Um, but it, it it's a little bit heartbreaking to me to watch American libertarians just kick the shit out of each other all the time because I'm like, guys, <laughs> there's really bad guys doing really exactly. bad things yeah. to a country, and you're spending all your time going after each other. Yeah, and I I just I'm a I'm a peaceful person. This is part of my personality. I don't like arguments. Uh, it's hard to argue with me because I give up. Fight with me is hard because I give up. And I just cannot stand it. It's like, have you guys looked outside? Yeah. You know, I am not your enemy. If you think I'm everything that is wrong with this country, you, you're wrong. Because we agree on almost everything. And it's funny because I go and speak to student groups a lot. I, SFL Brazil, I'm famous in SFL Brazil because I never say no. And sometimes they do send me to very far places. Yeah. But to me, that's a pleasure because I come from a time when nobody wanted to listen to us. And now there are 10 people in Amazonas, five hours by plane from Sao Paulo. I'm on it. Yes, I'm going. Um, because to me, it's such an honor. I'm pleased. I wish I could just hug every one of them. Um, and I have no time to argue with people if, you know, the size of the state should be, I don't know, 35%. By the way, I'm going to use a metaphor here. So I'm, I'm going to call you um, the Libertarian Party. <laughs> and I'm going to point out Students for Liberty. And I'm going to point out the Mises Institute in Brazil. And you guys all work together. Yes. Huh. Yes. This, this can be done. Yes. Think, think of it um, as a big... It's not that we agree on everything. But it's, it's just obvious to me, and I guess to a lot of us, that it makes no sense yeah. spending time arguing with each other. Maybe, of course, if we are here 
having an intellectual discussion, we can argue about, I don't know, get a Rothbard book and we can argue about a few of his points. And I think it's valid to have that kind of intellectual yeah. uh, conversation. But that's not what I do. What I do is look what's going through Congress, looking what's the public debate, and try to put forward a liberal, free market, tolerant society view. You know, I think about um, arguing about it ideas and philosophy and that last one percent is is a lot of fun to do amongst the family but if you think about the level of humility we should have in terms of how do we create a stronger social movement how would we create political change how would we create a um a shift in culture that turns on young people to these ideas um, anybody that says they have it figured out is is bullshitting you because because we we have a lot of work to do and yeah. and I think I sort of like competing strategies because that's sort of our philosophy, right? Let's let's have different people with different ideas go to the market and try to make a go of it. And if we all agreed instead, let's all put our eggs in one basket and do this one thing, I think that would be a disaster. And that's inconsistent with what we supposedly believe. And and as in your argument about the, the, you know, the right, correct libertarianism, that's me, if everybody thought like if like me, if I expected everybody to be like me, everybody would probably look like me too, and that's not what we want, right? If we want a true good, that's kind of a nightmare. Permanent, yeah, of course. Me, I would hate to talk to myself all the time. Although yeah. I like being alone, but you know, sometimes I like to talk to other people. We want a permanent group. We want permanent liberal representation in the Brazilian market of ideas. That's what we want. We want in 20 years to have people who are then 20 yeah. arguing in their universities about you know these ideas and the value of these ideas. So we need these ideas to be diverse and to be spoken of in different ways and be fought for in different ways. So I have deep respect for people who are in academia. I have deep respect for people who are running political parties, people who are running for elections, who are in you know in the nonprofit sector because i think we all have a contribution to give to these ideas and to the continuation of these ideas within the public debate uh, for us it was a major step to exist and if you asked me 10 years ago what do you expect to be your generation's work for these ideas in brazil i would say to exist yeah to be reminded uh, when people um, uh, when people would talk about some issue, they would think, well, we know there's also the liberal perspective. Let's hear these guys too. Um, and that's a massive step for us. That was a massive step for us. And we are there. Yeah. Um, we are there. We are part of the public conversation, even if just for them to hate us. Uh, please hate us. But then, you know, the press would come and say, well, we heard these guys. Let's hear you now. You only get hate if you matter. Exactly. Yeah. Nobody, nobody was writing articles on, you know, writing op-eds in, in the biggest newspaper of the country if we are not writing ours, yeah. too. And, you know, um, I remember the first time I, I had an op-ed on a small local newspaper. It was the best day of my life. I was so happy. I was hugging everybody. I, was, I bought the newspaper and I was showing people. And now it's just like, well, you know, 
the country's biggest newspaper has requested an op-ed, asked me kindly if I could write an op-ed. I'm like, oh no, I'm so tired. Oh, I, another well, one, yeah. I was going to the bar. And that shows, you know, you have people who were, um, well, one of the, 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 the greatest number of votes in their cities or in their states, and they are us, one of us. Yeah. And, you know, these are massive steps, and we should recognize that, we should celebrate that, and I think that gives us a measure of where we can get in the next 10 years. Yeah. So I, um, I perhaps like you, could be very frustrated and even depressed about the state of, of our current situation, particularly over the last two years. Um, we've lost so much ground to authoritarians. But I, I also believe adamantly that young people trying to figure out who they are and they're looking at this, this sort of false dichotomy of like, oh, I got to go left authoritarian, but I don't like those guys. Oh, oh, I got to go right authoritarian. And I got to believe that there's like a big middle lane yeah. for those of us that believe in liberty. So I'd be a short-term pessimist. Things sort of suck right now, but a long-term optimist. I, I think there's a huge opportunity and we should be open-minded about, about how we tap into that massive marketplace. And... You know, the, the, the lesson of the, the last few years, if you go to an SFL conference, you have, you know, a thousand young people there very passionate about those ideas. Um, You're in, speaking in, in... In Brazil, in but Brazil. also, I mean, yeah. but in the States, it's, it's sure. the same, you know, SFL conferences in Europe, in the States, in Brazil. Uh, I suppose the Brazilian chapter of SFL is still the biggest in the world. It's energizing. Um it shows that there is a path, but I understand those that right now are kind of reluctant to jump into it because you need to develop this thicker skin to join the conversation mm -hmm. right now because you have authoritarians on both sides, you have populists on both sides. They all offer very easy solutions for very complex situations. Yeah. They're all willing to call you communists or fascists if you disagree with them. Regarding with whom you disagree at this moment, you're going to be a communist or a fascist. And it's not for everyone to, you know, support that, to take that and, you know, carry on. I'm very glad that we have as many teenagers as we do or as many 20-something uh, people uh, who want to be part of it. But I know that it's very hard and, you know, nobody should be expected to take a, somebody shouting fas fascist to your face and, you know, carry on. But I do believe that our job, those of us who are a bit older now, yeah. is that say, well, don't worry, we'll, we'll take the hit and we hope that you guys will have a better time. And, next you time. know, teach people to be happy warriors and, you know, um, be a little bit thick-skinned about those sorts of attacks that are so ridiculous um, because again it's an indication that you that you matter in the conversation if they if they're so desperate they're gonna uh, call you uh, and typically like I I don't ever get called a socialist but um, on social <laughs> media someone will call me a fascist I'm like do you have any idea what that means exactly yeah yeah uh, do, do you know me yeah <laughs> you know people have called me a Lula supporter and they have called me a Bolsonaro supporter yeah and I don't care anymore because, you know, you just need to read two or three of my tweets and you know that I'm neither of them. But, you know, I don't care anymore. And I think that's actually good. 
that now you're thinking that I'm able to decide elections, that we, the Liberty Movement, are able to be decisive in a presidential election as 100 million electors. Yeah. That you're thinking that it was because of me that Bolsonaro got elected. It is because that I promote free market ideas that Bolsonaro, who promoted free market ideas in his campaign, got elected. So if he thinks free market ideas are good ideas, and I don't think he does think, but he did pretend for a while. So I am just like him because I also happen to believe that. And the same with Lula. I don't know if Lula says, oh, we should respect people in the street and the police shouldn't kill people. And I say the police shouldn't kill people. I am a communist and I'm a Lula supporter because no, I'm just a liberal guy. And if you go looking for what we think about it, we think the state power should be limited, including the police and including the power of the president. And we like free markets. And regardless of who is the president, yeah. we will like free markets in 2023 too. So, um, but it's good. It's the, good to the, matter. The, the new radicalism is uh, respect for, for humans and <laughs> possibly cooperation and mutual respect. <laughs> Um, we're running out of time, but I have to, uh, before we talk about your organization, I have to give a shout out to my friend Carlos Lunas, which is, and he produces a mezcal in Mexico City. You drink mezcal, Rompe Corazon, which means heartbreaker. That's the extent of my Spanish. That's <laughs> right there. Mine doesn't go very further than that, unfortunately. My Spanish is better than my Portuguese, so, <laughs> so gird yourself, but. How would people find uh, find you and find Livre? And uh, I, um, I, I assume a lot of it is in Portuguese, right? Yeah, um, I think we have a pamphlet in, in English, but all of it, it's in, it's in Portuguese. Uh, hopefully soon we're going to have enough people in my team. So we're gonna Google Translate is not so bad, Go actually. Google Translate is actually okay. Um, people can find us on social media. We're very active there uh, on every social media it's uh, eu sou livres, not the best, easier way uh, to go about it. But if you Google my name, my name is Magno Carl, M-A-G-N-O-K-A-R-L, you'll find livres very easily. Um, and we are proud of the work we've been doing, proud of the, the prize we got here. And I'm really happy to be invited to be in your podcast and this conversation because to me, this is like, okay, I'm on the next step now. I wrote to my friends back in Brazil, you know, I'm going to have a conversation, Matt Kiwi. <laughs> and I'm really, really glad to be here drinking mezcal with you. Well, cheers. Cheers, Matt. How do you say cheers in Portuguese? Saúde. Okay. Saúde. I'm not going to try to say that. <laughs> Come on, it's easy. Saúde. Saúde. Thanks for watching. If you enjoyed that show, make sure that you like and subscribe. Click the little bell so that you get notifications. And if you consume this via podcast, go wherever you want to go. We're everywhere. Kibbe on Liberty. The revolution starts now.